0: Thing, but actually do another. You know those sort of people? You know anyone like that? Never that one. Yeah, look. Now I talk about, it. I just want to put out there, and I know we're not recording this today, so this will be all good, but I just want to. James Five talks about confessing your sins to others, okay? So I want to just confess to you that I'm committing hypocrisy at the moment. You see, I have told people that I'm a DC and Marvel comic. Junkie, I've told people that I'm one of the biggest and ardent fans, okay? Do you get me? You know those ones who were right there with all of that? But I haven't yet seen Batman or Doctor Strange. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've watched all the other stuff, Flash, Lucky, you know, all the different things. In fact, I'm actually going to say I don't even have Disney Plus to be able to watch Anyway, I'm glad that's off the table. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better. I hope you are too. Sorry, I'm just um, bled on the pulpit here today. But my hypocrisy is nothing if we're going to compare to Jonah. You see, this is a guy who should know better. This is a guy, Jonah, who's the prophet of God. This is the guy who knows all about God. He's a believer in God. He's one of the fervent nationalist people for his nation. Jonah is from the northern part of Israel. He's one of the what's called the minor prophets, but that's not minor in the message, but minor in the fact that the book is quite small compared to some of the other larger prophets. But one of the things for this man, Jonah, that he would know is he knows the kingdom of God. He knows the values of the kingdom of God. He knows what it's like to live under the kingdom of God's values. And one of those was the hesed. Sorry, that's a Hebrew word, meaning God's loving kindness. Hesed. You want to say that? Hesed. You've got to get the double right at the back, okay? That's what we teach at <laughs> college. Yeah. Anyway, we need probably a mask on so you don't spit on everyone. But the hesed of God is a little bit like the grace we see in the New Testament. The New Testament, we see the word grace, which is God's Abundant kindness to people Undeserved favour In the Old Testament it was the word hesed God was a God of loving kindness He was a God of hesed He was also a God For all nations He was a God that he wanted to bring all people Into his following Into his community Now Jonah knew all this He grew up with all this He knew that God was a God of hesed He knew he was a God who wanted to bring in all nations And what's this guy doing? saying, so I don't want any part of this group of people called the Ninevites getting in on this. You see, we often know this story, don't we, Jonah? Who's, who's read the book of Jonah? Okay, so, so some of you might think it's, um, you know, a story. A bit of a whale of a tale, I guess some people would say. <laughs> we haven't read the first couple of chapters, but let me just give you a really quick recap for those who haven't read the first couple of chapters of Jonah. It's the story of a man who gets a call from God. Come over and and speak to these horrible, wicked group of people, how bad they are. Jonah, man, God, says, no, don't want to do that. Goes the other way. Goes the other way. What happens? He's on this boat with all these other people from other nations. Something's going on in the water. The people on the boat are going, hey, something's going on here. Who's the problem? Why have we got this storm? Why is everyone going to die on this boat? Jonah said, sorry, it's me. Blame me. He said, we'll work it. We won't put you in the water yet quite yet ends up in the water so they throw this man over to stop the swell of what's happening at that point in time man Jonah falls in water gets swallowed by a big fish what a gracious god we have inside the fish for three days he prays to god please save me god spits him out from the fish Right to the exact location he's supposed to go to speak to these Ninevites. Then we had chapter 3. But this man is a bit of a stalker. He's a bit of a pain, isn't he? I mean, we read that in our story today. You see, from our perspective, and obviously Jonah's perspective, this group of people, these Ninevites, deserved this punishment was to come, this disobedience that they had. And we can sometimes look at this passage of scripture and think that God is this wrathful, angry God. But actually, God is about love, because he's about passive. He's about bringing all nations to himself. And so what we see here is love and anger are very close together. You see, when we take when I was young, when my children were younger, and I was walking across the road, and I wanted my children to hold my hand. And they were wanting to get away and disobey my command. It was out of love that I was holding their hand. And so when they were trying to get away, and the cars were running around the street, and I get, okay, you know, that anger is out. Uh, it's a love. Do you know what I'm getting? It's like, I'm concerned for them. I want their safety. And this is the God we have a God who wants the safety of all people. Not just those within his beloved community, like Jonah was so. You see, this God is different to us. He's different to Jonah. He wants to put people on notice. He wants to give them an opportunity. He wants to give them a second chance. A third chance. Maybe even a fourth chance. From an earthly perspective... We think these guys have done some horrible things. We don't know. We can only imagine what they've done. You look at this world, you pretty much know what's happening in our world today. You know that some horrible, evil stuff happens. But what we see here is this God. Instead of random acts of vengeance, we see a God who's giving the chance. Do you get what I mean? This isn't a God who's just like comes out and say, oh, look at those people, they're so bad, how horrible they are, oh, you're going to get some bad stuff. He gives them time. The whole Bible is full of God giving time to people to respond and react. It's full of it. But what I find quite amazing in this story, and you may have picked it up, is that God chooses this Jonah guy. You see, Jonah's whingy, he's whiny, he's sooky, he's nationalistic, he's self-righteous, he's a prude, he probably thinks more of himself than others. But, and he lacks compassion, and he lacks empathy, and God chooses him. Right. you know have picture? I quite find this quite interesting, this story, because even though Jonah gets a pad rap, he looks bad here. This book most likely must have been written by him. Because how would you know this level of detail, okay? He's written a book about himself. We can't say he's narcissistic because no narcissistic person would put anything out like this about himself. (laughs) So that's one point in his favour, I guess. But what we see here is a question. Why him? I don't get it. Why did God choose this guy? Why this dude? Didn't God know what he's doing? Well, I don't know about you, as you look through the Bible, God has this habit of choosing interesting people to do his work. I look at the New Testament and I see God's mission through Jesus, and you go, Wow, okay, you'd want some pretty good people to be taking this word of God throughout the world, okay? You want some pretty good people. Who does he choose? Well, there's one guy who's stealing out of a cash bag all the time. There's one guy who's got foot and mouth disease. He takes one foot out, puts another foot in, because he's always saying the wrong thing. Because he's got no filter in his life. You've got other guys who are always fighting with each other. You've got guys who are distant, and it's just this: these twelve people that God chooses through Jesus. I'm thinking, surely you can choose someone else. If God is so desperate to share His news, why does He choose Jonah? Why does He choose the twelve people? Also, why does it choose you? Why does it choose me? I mean, I'm hypocrite. I've told you. I've done hypocrisy. That's just in one area of my life. God is so desperate for this beautiful message of love and Hesiod that He's willing to take a chance on anyone, even you. I always ask, isn't there someone else, God? Little bit like Moses when he says, Oh, me, I can't speak, I can't do it. But he calls you. Let's get a reality check here. God is not asking you and me about our ability or about our inability. He's just asking about your availability. Do you hear that? God's not asking you about your ability or your inability. He's just asking about your availability. He will work through you despite you, just like he did with Jonah. However, it doesn't give us a license to continue to abuse others or abuse the grace that he gives us, to remain in our own stubbornness around selfishness, our lack of compassion, our lack of empathy. We're going to be talking about that in the pastoral care course, advert, come in, come along. But instead, the story of Jonah reveals a contrast between the self righteousness of Jonah and the great love and compassion of God. Do you see that? Where does this story end up? It doesn't end up with Jonah in chapter 4, it ends up with God. God is the hero in this story. Jonah doesn't shine up well at all. He's just a vessel. We don't hear much about Jonah in the Scriptures, there's a couple of places in the New Testament, but they're talking more about the message of Jonah more than Jonah himself. He's not the centre of this story. What we see here is we see this God, a scandalous God. This reveals the scandalous nature of a God of love, a God who is over all things. You see, no one deserves the grace of God. You know, they don't. It's a common message of the gospel, isn't it? But this contrast that was set up here, the Ninevites were so evil, so bad, they would identify as deserving of punishment as a consequence. And there's four main things that could have happened for this king. One, there could have been an invasion in the land by an enemy. There could have been a total solar eclipse. There could have been a famine accompanied with an epidemic or a severe flood. Any of these would have dethroned him. But it was only up to day three that the king had heard about this message and he responded pretty quickly. There was still another like, 37 days to go but he said, no, I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm desperate for God. And we see this desperation flown through because even animals... Did you see that in the text? Even the animals were used in this sacrificial sort of way of penance. This was desperation for this king. He recognised it. But Jonah didn't. Jonah didn't give his stuff about that. You see, this is who God is. This is modus operandi. This is all about God. And if there's a chance for grace, God is going to take it. Sure, you know, the ought to be destroyed from an earthly perspective, from our perspective. God had not finished with them, as he had not finished with Jonah. Jonah had made up his mind. they so, no, I'm not going to go this grace line, this cassette of God. I don't want all these you know, different people, part of our kingdom. You know, let's just keep it our own little route. That's who he was. It does raise questions for us, though, doesn't it? It raises questions that say just turning up in church isn't going to be enough for our formation. Because Jonah, I'm sure, in a you know, temple every day or a local place up in the northern tribes of Israel, he would have done what he needed to do, but the transformation isn't in his life, is it? So just you turning up here on a Sunday is not going to do it for you. If you're expecting this to be all in your spiritual faith and development and growth in Christ, you're going to be disappointed, I hate to say COVID showed us these last couple of years that this is not going to be an hour and a half on a Sunday. That's going to be all we need. I don't think so. There's more to do this journey. How do we put that together? What does that require? But it also asks us questions about this God guy. Why do despots in this world exist? And why do they keep bombing other places, innocent little countries? Because God's grace is giving people time. Why is that friend, that neighbour, maybe that work colleague or that community member, not accepting God's love and grace? Why are they standing against the Christian church? Because God is giving them more time to respond. Why do I have to put up that bullying and harassment at work? I oh, should, should go to HR straight away and go right to the top and go to the CEO and get it all worked out. Because life is not just about us. It's about the grace of God working through us sometimes. Got a guy I'm working with at the moment who's being bullied and harassed at work and, and we're trying to work out what does the grace look like in that situation? Do I need to step in or what is it? What does it mean to be Jesus in that place and situation? And the last question is how far does grace extend? How far? Well, how long is piece of string? I guess the challenge comes in what ways are we being Jesus to those that we work with throughout the week? What does that grace look like for you when you go into your day tomorrow? Whether it's in a paid place, whether it's in your home, whether it's in a community event, what does that look like for you? How does my workplace look differently because of the grace that I show to people? Or what ways are we willing to overcome hatred, revenge, and hurt with the love of God found in Jesus? This is a scandalous nature of God, living out the day-to-day in our life. His grace is scandalous, it doesn't make sense been on this journey for quite a few decades and I just keep coming back to grace keep coming back to grace because that's God consistently operating that way God is crazily loving and gracious to all humanity not just those we think deserve it we might think that despot, that person they're so evil, they're so bad they couldn't enjoy God's grace. No way. At a human level, it seems so wrong, doesn't it? Those people can get away with what they get away with. That beautiful people person over there, beautiful person of God, something bad happens to them. It's amazing. It's wonderful. But it's outright preposterous. In Jesus' day, he faced the Pharisees they were like Jonah they were the ones who held up to all these values of God's kingdom and yet lived differently in Jesus' name didn't he he said you bunch of hypocrites you brood of vipers I mean Jesus just nailed it and threw it out there at this group of Pharisees these are the people who are supposed to be the reflectors of God's hesed these are the ones who are supposed to live out and embrace the different nationalities and welcome them in But no, they put limits on people. And they said, this is what worship looks like. This is what giving to God looks like. This is what living the life of of a a follower of God looks like. And they kept limiting that which was supposed to include, exclude. You know the stories. If not, start reading. You see this beautiful picture of God embracing through Jesus, loving and accepting. But Jesus, this innocent man who showed grace and love, you know the story. Went to the road of the Delorosa to Gogot, died on a cross, so that righteousness will take place, that justice will take place. But you can't have breaks without justice. you have got to still deal with justice. We've got it? We still need to deal with that stuff. And it was at the cross. We know that, don't we? and preaches I'm sure. If not, maybe we will do a little bit more study of But then the righteousness and it wasn't the cross. And then the most amazing thing. Well, I don't know, I play, like playing cards. 500 in Yucca, any 500 or Yucca players around here? Oh, cool, great, great. We'll meet later on tonight. In Yucca at 500, you have these most powerful cards. If you're playing 500, it's a joker. Um, in Yucca, it's the right bower, which is the most powerful card. We'll talk to you later about the details, so we can get more people on board. But. These are the the top cards that can never be beaten. You've probably been watching Survivor. It's just finished recently, the show Survivor. And in there, they've got this immunity card, which means you can't get hurt. We know Jesus played the card on the resurrection on that Sunday. He can never be beaten. So he says that God is a God of grace. God is a God of grace. Do you believe it? Yeah. Because he rose from the dead, and this is what he's been saying. Grace... Trumps everything because it rose from the dead. Because he died for you, died for me, and he's given us eternal life. If we would just come into that relationship with him. The climax of this story today in Genesis chapter Jonah chapter four is not about the repentance of the Ninevites. It's not about Jonah. It's about God, the God of love, the God of grace. And so, in chapter four, verse eleven, when God says, should I not spare Nineveh? If we read that story and we reply to that question, should I not spare Nineveh, with, well, why is that such an important question? We really have not understood the message of grace. If we reply no, we haven't understood grace either. You see, the values of the kingdom will always clash with the values of this world. Retribution, righteousness is what we read on social media, we read in our newspapers, we experience it every day, and yet we're called to show grace in response to that. We're good at affirming in our own eyes and seeing what good it is, and damning those who are different to us or don't live up to our standards. I want us to challenge today to change the narrative in our minds. It's got to start with each individual person. It's got to change with our narrative changing and shifting in our character and our understanding of this concept of grace. And it's not just a head knowledge, this is a heart stuff. This is about shifting from here and letting it sink into our lives. Instead of seeking revenge and, wow, they got their just deserves, grace doesn't say that. Grace says, they don't deserve it, God is so loving, I'm going to give it to them anyway. When faith faced with choices of work tomorrow, work or study, whatever you're doing, I want to encourage you to choose grace. It's a winner on all occasions. It's hard to do. But like Jonah, we don't have the right to decide what God should say or do or who is in or who is out. We just called to be grace bearers. Grace is Strange, it's mysterious, because in this story we know in history that northern Israel where Jonah was from, gets attacked by these very own Ninevites, the ones that have just responded to God's grace, the ones in years to come, who come and wipe out the whole northern tribes of Israel. And then grace is so strange because a few decades later after that, the Ninevites are wiped out. And they no longer exist either. I don't know about you, it comes and it goes. But I think there's a subtlety here that I want us all to be mindful of. As we think about narratives, the stories that are going on our hands, as we think of the way we pray for others, as we even think of an election result that's just finished, maybe you're happy, maybe you're not. But to be thinking about am I like Jonah? Ah, they got what they deserve. I sucked in, they didn't get in. Or are we like, God's love and grace is still here. And I don't deserve God's grace. They don't deserve God's grace. but no, I'm to offer it anyway. It's his head, grace is going to be here today. Psalm 36, verse 5 to 7 reminds us, remember, we're on a mission for God. And that mission for God is about being grace various. And 36, 5-7 says, Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. It's almost like it was written from Jonah, wasn't it? Hmm. Righteousness and love intersect with the cross." And grace wins out over that. How will that look for you this week? Are you going to be Pharisaical like Jonah and the Pharisees? Not just on grace, but in other parts of your life. I don't know you, but I'm still working at not being a hypocrite. Not just in the D.C. Marvel area. But just a reminder. Am I showing love? Am I showing grace? Am I showing character? Am I saying one thing and doing another? All those things come to Life. Grace should be my modus operandi. Grace should be my outer covering. Grace should be my inner being. It should pervade every part of my life. And I'm still on that journey and I trust you on too. It's a huge value of the kingdom and we need to keep preaching it and living it out. So, what will you do tomorrow? Let's pray. Lord God, being on your mission is challenging and hard. because we know you have called us to share the good news of Jesus. But when we do that, we to do it with love and grace. I pray, Lord, as we think of this concept and understanding of grace in our homes, in our church, in our community, in our workplaces, Lord, guide us to how we can shift and change the way we've thought about people before. Instead of thinking they get their just deserts, think how can I offer that which they don't deserve as Jesus did on the cross we just want to pray that you'll continue to work that message in our lives and our hearts and those that we've been vengeful towards, or unforgiving towards, Lord please forgive us break that bitter spirit in us, take it out of our lives, out of our hearts so that we can be the people of God you want us to be So lead us, we pray, by the power of your gospel, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.